There's a, a BBC4 geeky panel show quiz type thing called Only Connect, which some of you may have watched before and some of you won't have watched before. It's uh, a little quirky, odd kind of thing. And uh, the premise of the program is that uh, you're given a number of uh, words or pictures, and you've got to try and work out what's the common connection. I'm going to try it with you. Okay, so that's your first one. Now, clearly, you, you can't answer at this point, just in case any of you are wondering. You don't know. All right, so alcohol? Sunday Times. What's the connection? Pardon? Communion? Nope. Anybody? The connection? Middle class. Middle class? Nope. How dare you? Um, <laughs> no? Okay. Black pudding? Blood? Blood? Sunday Times? Not clear. No? Not blood. Good, good try, though. Connection? Alcohol? Sunday Times? Black pudding? What's the connection? Eat, eat together, no. Sunday roast, no. Blood, no. Lipstick. Red? Red? Yeah, are you sure? Red? No. Blood? No. It's nothing to do with blood. Stop the blood thing. <laughs> okay. Alcohol, Sunday Times, blood, uh, black pudding. <laughs> Blood pudding, black pudding, <laughs> lipstick. What's the connection? Last one. Don't, don't, don't sign up for this show, you'd be rubbish. Israel. No. What's the, what's the link? Okay. Alcohol. A Sunday paper. Black pudding, lipstick, and Israel. What's the link? They don't like them in Palestine. Pun? They don't like them in Palestine. They don't like them in Palestine. I have no idea, but I don't think that's the link. What's the What's link? Let's read together. If you have a Bible, turn with me to Romans 14. Romans 14. Maybe you're still going, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it before he tells me. You got it? What is it, Charlie? Things that Christian dispute about. That's the link. So, Charlie? Well, he's been to Oxford. <laughs> he is actually essentially in a class of his own amongst us anyway. Yes. These are all issues on which Christians argue about, divide over. Alcohol, um, Christians have argued about. Sunday Times, I mean, the Times was sort of like a, uh, it was a Sunday paper, it's a Sunday trading thing, it's the whole idea of should you get Sunday papers at all because you're buying them. Uh, blood, uh, blood pudding, <laughs> black pudding, uh, some Christians think you shouldn't eat because it, it does have blood in it. Lipstick, whether uh, Christians should wear makeup or not. 
And then finally, over uh, Israel as a state and what is the relationship between Christians and the state, should you support it, and the rest of it. All of these things are issues over which Christians have uh, divided, sometimes really strongly. So let's read Romans 14. Accept those whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, everything rather, but another person's, uh, sorry, let me start this again. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another person whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything mustn't treat with contempt the one who doesn't, and the one who doesn't eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted that person. Who are you? to judge someone else's servant. To their own master they stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord's able to make them stand. Some consider one day more sacred than another. Others consider every day alike. Everyone should be fully convinced in their own mind. Those who regard one day as special, do so to the Lord. Those who eat meat, Do so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And those who abstain, do so to the Lord, and they give thanks to God. For we don't live to ourselves alone, and we don't die to ourselves alone. If we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life, so that he may be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister Why do you treat your brother or sister with contempt? For we'll all stand before God's judgment seat. It's written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will confess to God. So then, we'll all give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore, let's stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I'm convinced being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing's unclean in itself. But if, someone, if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person it is unclean. If your brother is distressed because of what you eat, you're no longer acting in love. Don't by your eating destroy your brother or sister for whom Christ died. Therefore, Don't let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Don't destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food's clean. But it's wrong for a person to eat something that causes another Someone else to stumble. It's better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed are those who don't condemn themselves by what they approve. But if those who have doubts are condemned if they eat because their eating is not from faith and everything that doesn't come from faith is sin. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. We should all please our neighbours for their good, to build them up. For even Christ didn't please himself. But as it's written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. 
For everything that was written in the past was written to teachers, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the Lord God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, so the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed, and moreover that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it's written, Therefore, I'll praise you among the Gentiles. I'll sing the praises of your name. Again, it says, rejoice you Gentiles with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. In him, the Gentiles will hope. So may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of of the Holy Spirit. Well, it's a long passage, but essentially, as we were doing last week, it answers the question: How do you? What do you do when you don't quite see eye to eye with someone else? I want to say that actually, when relationships break, they they often will break for for two reasons, and the first reason is that. They, they break because someone hurts you. They do something that's just either sad or done, and it's something that's gone really quite deep. And the second reason that relationships break is over principle. And I just want to quickly, because I don't, I don't really need to spend much time on the first, I don't think. If you're out of relationship with someone because they've hurt you, the fundamental principle that Jesus calls us to is be the first to offer or be the first to accept forgiveness so that the relationship can be restored. It's, it's almost as simple as that. It's never as simple as that in reality, but that's kind of like, that's the, the guiding principle. If you've been hurt and people have done things or said things, and it's almost like, and, and, and of course, the big deal comes, the, 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 the harder it is, is when it's bigger than it, you know, might have otherwise been. But, but be the first to offer forgiveness. Be the first to accept forgiveness. Enable that relationship to be restored. For you will not be at peace until that's at peace. And we could talk long about that. But most of us understand that. But the second thing is, how do you deal when it's a principle? When you look at someone else and you either feel judged because you think they're looking down on you because you're doing something that they don't think you should be, or indeed, and this is much more difficult to own up to, you think they're doing something they shouldn't, and that's getting in the way of your relationship. And that's what Paul's trying to deal with here. When other people are doing things and you go, I don't think they should be doing that, what happens next? All of those things Christians have disagreed with. And disagreed with, and everybody who takes a stand on any of those issues would say to you and me, there's a reason why, for some Christians, they would go, I'm teetotal. 
And some Christians will go, I'm teetotal because actually I've seen the damage that's done by alcohol in families and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And really feel strongly about it. And that's fine. You've got, to be, you've got to be convinced in your own mind. But the danger comes when you go, I feel so strongly about that, you must stop it. <laughs> that's where it becomes a problem. I see the danger, you mustn't do it. And Sunday trading, should you buy a Sunday paper? Should you buy the Sunday Times? Should you, you know... I don't think a Christian should, and therefore you shouldn't. Black pudding, should we bring the economy of Berry down? But, you know, for some Christians, it's a, I know it seems a small thing, and most of us, in, I don't know where, I, well, actually, we've never had, well, I've never preached about black pudding, ever. Um, and I'm not sure where you stand on it. And for some Christians, though, they've got, actually, don't, don't just joke, because actually, for me, it's, it's a deal. I, I don't want to, eat black pudding because it's got blood in it, and I think the way the Old Testament suggests is that we shouldn't eat it. And, and some of us are going, really? But the danger is the person who goes, I've got a problem with black pudding, shouldn't, say to, shouldn't, shouldn't go around the vine looking at what people are having for the breakfast, <laughs> or in the vine terms, dinner or tea. But at the same time, the one who goes, you're nuts. You may disagree on black pudding for any number of reasons, but ah, theologically it's got nothing to do with it. Then it's easy for those who go, there's nothing wrong with alcohol, there's nothing wrong with buying a Sunday paper, there's nothing wrong with black pudding. Going, everybody else, oh, you're just sort of legalistic, uptight people. And so the judging happens that way. And lipstick, well, it's probably been a lot of years since anybody... Has been any Christian lady has been told off for wearing lipstick. But some of you are perhaps old enough to remember when it was a bigger issue. And Israel. Some Christians go, actually, the estate of Israel, sacred, etc., etc. Other Christians go, no, it's not. What about Palestine? And probably out of the five that I've chosen there, that's the one that actually causes the most rift. It's the most current. How do we deal with one another when we differ over principle? Don't want to take long this morning, but I just want to highlight some of the things that Paul says in the 14th chapter. The first, though, is the interesting truth that the more you choose to get to know one another, the more you will be surprised by what they believe. So if you don't want to be offended, don't get to know anyone. Because <laughs> this is the truth. Most of us hold it together for an hour and a half on a Sunday morning and we smile and we're pleasant. All right? Most of us just about manage it. One or two of us go home grumpy, but most of us manage it. And the challenge comes the moment you decide, I'll sign up for that connect group. Because I guarantee what you're going to find is you'll have a meal with someone for an hour and a half, two hours. And when they've gone or when you've gone, you've gone, really? I, I never, really? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure about that. 
I'm, I'm really? They, they think that? And there's the interesting thing is, you'll have been sitting next to them in church or in the same building for years, and actually, a meal together makes you go, what? <laughs> so here's the truth. C.S. Lewis said it. There are no ordinary people. You've never met a mere mortal. It's part of a, obviously, it's part of a longer part. But it's just that brilliant thing. Do you know, there's the sense in which if you just want to have a conversation with a mirror where the person you have a conversation with is exactly like you, then just stay in the bathroom. All right? Look in the mirror and go, yes, it's exactly the same. But actually, if you're willing to uh, listen and learn, and yes, raise an eyebrow and go, tell me why you see it like that, you will discover that you haven't met a mortal You haven't met an ordinary person, but they're richer, they're bigger, they're more interesting than you could have imagined. Now, you know, sometimes there's sort of a question about how you have that conversation, isn't there? Last Saturday I was uh, speaking at an event. I'm not going to tell you where it was, because this is being taped. And uh, nor am I going to say what I said, nor am I going to say who said it. So this is going to be less than a great story. (laughs) But I was speaking at an event somewhere with some people, and I said something. (laughs) And then I asked the group of people to whom I'd said the something, so what are you thinking? And one person told me what they were thinking, and what they were thinking is, I totally disagree with you. And said person said it quite forcefully in front of everybody else, which I was, of course, delighted by. <laughs> and in the break, I don't know how you, how you cope in a situation like that. And some of you, 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 it's, you know, or equivalent situations where someone sort of disagrees with you violently, or not violently, but strongly in front of everybody else. There's a real temptation to sort of go, what do they know anyway? And avoid them. And that's kind of like natural, isn't it? It's like we, we kind of build a story about why they've been so negative, and then we just think, ah, they're idiots. Or you walk in and you sit down with them. And I decided, I long decided, this is my, uh, my, my philosophy in life. That, um, so if you want a coffee with me, this is how I'll get one. If you sit there frowning, shaking your head, thinking, I think this is dreadful, I'll come and have a coffee with you. Because I'd rather know what you're really thinking. And I sat down and I said uh, to the person, I said, look, I'm not defending. And I said, I, I'm just really interested to know. What do you think then? And of course, you go in like that and you have a conversation then. And actually, by the end of the day, we were fine. But it starts with that awkward moment of someone going, I think you're totally wrong, which is essentially what the person said. But it's, can you have the confidence to go and sit and go, I'm kind of interested to know why you think I'm so wrong, without saying the next bit, which is, because I think you're wrong. (laughs) Don't say that. I guarantee If you join a connect group, you will find you get to know people better. And I guarantee you will go, really? 
And that's why we're doing it. That's exactly why we're doing it. Because if you just want to smile and be pleasant and think, they're a pleasant group of people, I think we're all the same, well, just keep coming on Sunday morning every now and again and smiling. But actually, once you eat together and you get to know each other, you will find that you're different. So how do we handle our differences on principles? Well, three things. Firstly, Paul says, accept. Really big question, Paul says. He's sometimes, he's a bit convoluted in these chapters, to be honest. It was sort of, if you were just listening to me, I'm sure there were times when you kind of like drifted off because it's not that easy to follow. Sometimes Paul's a bit convoluted, but sometimes he's really, he just gets the jab in. The first thing he says in verse 4 is, who are you to judge? <laughs> Ooh. And I can't, part of us want to go, well, I'm the person that's right. <laughs> and Paul goes, no, hang on. Who are you to judge? Because ultimately this person's not answering to you and they don't need to answer to you. They answer to the Lord. Secondly, who are you to judge? They are your brother and your sister. They are your brother and your sister. They're living for Jesus, he says, in five to seven. Who are you to judge? Because they're living towards their own uh, master. And then, and he goes, and be careful because there's judgment for us all. There's going to be a day when God sorts it all out. There's going to be a day when you're going to work out what was all of that worth. There's going to be a day when God sifts through it all and goes, that was brilliant. Thanks ever so much. And that, to be honest, that wasn't so great. But grace covers all. So there's some things you can leave for judgment day. Because to be honest, you're not the judge. And you don't need to judge. You don't need to set the world right. You don't need to be the person who's going around going, do you know what? I think if I could just sort you out, you'd be all right. It's not your role. You don't need to do it. So drop. Drop it. When I used to teach at the um, Bible college, um, we used to have these uh, little groups, like, like house groups really, tutor groups, and they used to meet once a, um, once a week for three years, and you had to be in the same group for three years, and they, you had the same tutor. And um, it was always really interesting because what had happened was in the first year, in the first terms of the first year, people would be so enthusiastic. You can imagine it. All these people got in Bible college and they all think, that, you know, it's going to be great, it's wonderful, it's like a little bit of heaven. And then about sort of like, I don't know, Easter time of the first year, what they realize is that this little bit of heaven's got really odd people in it, <laughs> in their group. And, and you could see the awkwardness and the tension starting to come. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking actually now that, Dave, you were at Bible College. Um, you were at the same college I'm talking about, actually. But it's not you. I'm not talking about you. Um, but <laughs> so everybody else. But the, you'd see in the sort of the Easter of the first term, people's spikiness would start to emerge and people would get irritated with each other. And in the second year, it used to be a nightmare. By about Christmas of the second year, people would be going, can I change shooter group? And we'd go, no, nobody will have you. You've got to stay in this group. Because it was difficult, because actually you found now, actually, I, I, I think I'm the only normal one here. <laughs> and then what was really interesting was in the third year, they started to protect one another. And they started to care for one another. And they started to accept our idiosyncrasies. They started to accept the fact, yeah, we're different. 
They accepted we see things differently. They accepted the difference. And it took three years. The reason we were able to see that happen is because they couldn't leave. It'd be like being in prison. They couldn't leave. Do you know the worst thing about having freedom of choice is you can stop the story too soon. You can stop the story too soon. You don't need to go through the pain bit. You just go, they don't get me. But give it time in the will. You can stop the story by going, I don't think those people, I don't know, I, I just don't feel comfortable. And if you stop the story at that point, you'll miss the blessing of people going, do you know what, you're a gift, and seeing them as a gift. First thing, accept. Who are you to judge? They're living for Jesus, there's judgment for us. Secondly, instead, make every effort for peace and building one another up. The language he talked about was mutual edification. Make every effort. It's kind of like... There's some Christians, and they are brilliant because they would walk over broken glass to ensure unity. Make every effort to keep the peace. And it's kind of like the attitude you need. I'm going to walk over broken glass to make sure that there's peace here. And even as I say that, I know there's some part of my brain goes, yes, but there's a limit, you know. And Paul goes, no, make every effort for peace. I want to help people build up. And then brilliantly, in verse 22, he goes about all this stuff that we disagree amongst ourselves. Just keep your opinion to yourself. Some of us need that on a fridge magnet. (laughs) Just keep your opinion to yourself. You know that moment where it's like that self-discipline of going, I don't need to tell you what I'm thinking. I don't need to tell you. You don't need to know. Just, I think the message version, I don't know if it does, but I think the message version would just say, shut up. (laughs) Keep your opinion to yourself, Paul says. And then finally, help them. Help them grow. We who are strong, if you think everything's fine and they're just a little bit petty, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not please ourselves. We should all please our neighbours for their good to build them up. I want to help you. And kind of what we want in church is going, we want to help, we want to be a church that is so committed to helping you grow that we'll, we'll walk this walk with you regardless. I want to make it so it's possible to grow. So that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ so that you can become this community of praise in order to bring praise to God, verse 7 and 15, that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. What does a culture of honor, a culture of cheering on, a culture of encouragement look like? It looks like a place where God can be praised because actually there's an openness. And you know what gets in the way of all of that? is my judgmentalism. Because I think I've got 2020 vision. Because I think I see things clearly. Because I think I know. Because I think I've got an opinion that's worth sharing. And I don't think I'm the only person that struggles with that. I wonder if, and I don't want to make you feel unnecessarily guilty, 
But I wonder if you're aware of someone in your own life and actually you just got them boxed in. You got it sorted in your head. You know the problem. You've diagnosed the problem. You know what the solution should be. And you're, you're offended because they've not taken your solution. I wonder if you're aware of anybody like, don't put your hand up. <laughs> and don't notice the person next to you and go, he's talking to you. Because I think you've just done it then if you do that. But do, do you know what I mean by that? I've diagnosed the problem, I've assigned the solution, and I'm offended that you've not taken it. Because I know what needs to happen here. And let me tell you, you go very quickly from being someone who could have helped to be only someone who can judge. And there's nothing that makes your heart harder than that. Someone said, the more secure you are with yourself, the less time you spend trying to tear others down. When you know you're not God, you'll stop tearing others down. When you know you've not got it all right yourself, you'll stop being so certain about others' failings. When you know that actually you have received grace, you'll offer it better. When you know you've changed your mind in the past and people gave you space to do that, you'll allow others to do that too. It's the gospel. It's the brilliant gospel, the good news of Jesus. That actually when you were and I was a long way away from God, Jesus came in order to bridge to us, to say, come home, son, come home, daughter. You don't need to live without me. And he didn't wait for you to get all your ducks in a row or get yourself cleaned up or get yourself all theologically correct or get yourself all sorted. The whole story of the Gospels is Jesus comes to people who have not got any of that sorted. And he says, I've come for people like you. And the people who criticized Jesus the most were the religious folks who went, he shouldn't be doing that. There's a brilliant moment where they said, I don't think he knows the sort of people he's eating and drinking with. I think if he knew who they were, he wouldn't. So we'll tell him, Jesus, it may not have occurred to you, but you are, drunk, uh, you are eating with drunks and gluttons and women who are prostitutes. I don't know if this has ever crossed your mind, Jesus. And some of those guys that you knock around with, they're kind of like traitors because they work for the Romans. I don't know if this has occurred to you, Jesus. I don't know, Jesus, if, if you're aware of just how your reputation is being damaged. And Jesus brilliantly said, I'm paraphrasing, of course. I think Jesus said, yeah, that had crossed my mind too. Because if you're a doctor, what you want your surgery to put be full of 
of people who know they're sick. So I've, I've, I've come. I've come for those who are sick. So when I start to judge, when I start to pull down, then what's happening is I'm leaving Jesus a long way behind. And I'm acting more like the people that Jesus had harsh words for. The flip side of this, by the way, is that some of you have been on the receiving end of other people's judgmentalism. And some of those folks who've judged you and some of those people who've criticized you have been church folks. And you've been on the receiving end of that. And if it's happened here, then I, I, I want to, I can't, I can't apologize for the person who did it, but I'd like to say, that wasn't right. And I'm sorry. But I'd also want to say, there's healing. You don't have to live with that wound or that pain. When we don't see eye to eye, Paul said something absolutely revolutionary. This is a community Paul had in mind where because of Jesus you'd be accepted. Where you'd be convinced, please don't be magnolia, have opinions. Don't be magnolia, don't go, oh, I don't know about everything. If you don't know about anything, then you're, you're not going to be any fun at a connect group because it'll be just like you're going to be just going with the wind. Have an opinion, but accept the one who differs. Let's pray together. <coughs> Truth be told, there'll be nobody in the room that goes, Do you know what? That wasn't applicable to me. <laughs> Because truth be known, there's a judge inside all of us. Truth be known, some of us have thought some stuff that if it ever saw the light of day, we'd be ashamed. And some of us have said some stuff and we just wish we could get those words back again. And there's not one of us in the room that doesn't know what it feels like to be a judge. And for us, all of us, we come this morning and we can say, Jesus, will you forgive us for the hardness of our own hearts? For the times when our principles have been so strong that we've missed people, when our hearts have been so, quote unquote, right about issues, that our hearts have become hard. Forgive us when we judged those that we thought were too liberal. Forgive us for when we judged those that we thought were too legalistic. Forgive us for the times when we've written one another off because we don't agree. Or we've kept our distance because we don't think they're doing things right. 
But Lord, I'd also want to pray for those who, for whom they carry the wound of being judged by others. Of not a feeling they don't quite make the grade. A feeling that others look down on them. Thank you, Jesus, that you would never have done that. Nor would you have ever wanted it for us. Father God, would you bring your healing into our lives? And Lord, may we forgive those who've judged us. May we no longer have to fight that battle or replay those conversations. May your spirit rest on us, we pray. response and then we'll move towards communion the ultimate place where Jesus said to his disciples his followers his friends you're welcome come eat drink and he still does but around that time of taking communion if there is an issue for you of just knowing you carry the wound of being judged and you'd want someone to pray with you, then I'm gonna, I'll, I'll be at the back, but I'm going to ask that those of you that have sort of indicated you'd be part of willing to pray with other people, that one or two of you would be there too. Part of the prayer team and you'd just be able to pray grace and healing into anybody's life that would feel they need that. So if you're part of a prayer team at the appropriate moment as we begin to take communion, do you want to just make your way to the back and then be ready if people indicate they would want to be prayed with? Because I think it's such a big deal. And it might actually be even that you go to the back to be prayed with, not because you've been hurt, because you, but you know your heart is growing harder and you'd want God to soften your own heart. We'll be there and we'll pray with you.